0: Well, hi, everyone. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at the Bridge Church, and I think it's been two, three years since I've been here at 10 a.m. Neutral Bay. I pastor a congregation at Macquarie Park, which is where I am every Sunday, as well as a congregation here in the afternoons. But it's great to be able to be with you here at 10 a.m. this morning. I don't know if you saw the news a few weeks ago, but someone won the second biggest lottery win in Australia's history. Uh, Bankstown man, southwest Sydney, woke up $100 million richer. And when I saw that, i got to be honest, I thought to myself, gee, that'd be nice. Even though I believe that gambling is wrong, that the chances of winning are minuscule, that it enslaves people, I still thought to myself, gee, what would I do with $100 million? I wonder if you thought the same thing. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing I was forgetting. I am already filthy rich. I am already filthy rich. I live in one of the richest countries in the whole world. And we live in some of the richest suburbs in Australia, if you earn $80,000 post tax, post tax, you are richer than 98.8% of the world. You earn 20 times the global median. Now, I know it's not as simple as that. I know cost of living in this part of Sydney is high. I've heard of the Mossman tax. I feel your pain. I know it's a thing. I know stuff costs more. But still, we are are filthy rich. Now, having said that, money is also tough. You know, we're living in a society at the moment where electricity costs are doubling, our interest rates on our mortgages are going up, and Taylor Swift tickets are expensive. So it's, it's, it's vital, I think, that we spend some time thinking about this topic. Wealth is a reality for all of us, and so... What we're going to look at, the Bible says heaps about wealth, heaps about money and wealth. We're just going to look at wealth from the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. And if you know anything about the book of Proverbs, it is a series of Proverbs. And the key is you don't read one or two of them in isolation. You've actually got to read a whole bunch of them because they complement each other and they nuance each other. And so it's a bit of a different sermon today. I have picked seven things that the book of Proverbs says about wealth for you and I. Seven things. Let's go. Here's number one. First thing about wealth and money is that wealth comes from God. Wealth comes from God. Look at the screen, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. It says, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Money is a great thing. Wealth is a great thing. It's a blessing from God. God gives to us so we can provide for our needs and provide for the needs of those around us. I wonder when your paycheck comes in, when your money comes into your account or money from an investment property or whatever it is, it's easy to get proud and think, oh, yeah, you know, that's my pay. I earned that. Actually, we should be thankful. Thank you, God, for this good gift. So often we compare ourselves with others, others who have more than us, and we think, well, if I had what they had, I'd I'd be happy. Why don't we flip it? Why don't we look at what we do have and say, thank you, God. If If it were not for you, I would not have this. Well, there's a good gift from God. There's nothing inherently wrong with wealth. Christians can sometimes be given the impression that, you know, you become a Christian and you've got to sell everything you have and join a monastery. Actually, there's nothing inherently wrong with wealth. And there's wealthy people in the Bible, by the way. Abraham, wealthy. Job, wealthy. In fact, across the history of the church, God has used wealthy people to do incredible things for the kingdom. Funding whole new church plants, sending people out on the mission field, transforming lives for Jesus. Just imagine, we are broad generalizations based on where we're living, broad generalizations, but we are some of the wealthiest people in the whole world. Imagine what God could do through us. There's nothing inherently wrong with wealth. And Jesus doesn't say, money is the root of all evil. He says the love of money. See, there's nothing inherently wrong with wealth. The problem is is when we look at money and wealth and we say, I'm going to look to you for my satisfaction. I'm going to look to you for my meaning. I'm going to look to you for my security. It's when we put money in the place of God. When you do that, it never satisfies Money and wealth is a bit like seawater. You go and take a glass of water from the ocean. The more you drink, the thirstier you get. You chase after wealth. You make wealth your God. It never satisfies. Actually, the right response is being thankful. Thank you, God, for what you have given me. It is a good gift. Wealth is a good gift that we thank God for. That's number one. Number two, work hard and gather wealth slowly. Work hard and gather wealth slowly. Proverbs 10 verse 4 says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. God's general plan is that if you work hard, you gain wealth. If you bludge, cut corners, and are like Homer Simpson lying on the couch all day, it leads to poverty. Wealth is a good th- sorry, work is a good thing. I, I preached a few months ago, not at this congregation, but it is on, on the website about about wealth, about work, work in the book of Proverbs. A whole talk on the topic of work. It is a good thing. God wants us to work hard in our careers and our vocations. And work and working hard leads to wealth. Now, the key thing, though, is the book of Proverbs, they're generalizations, they're general principles. This is not saying that anyone who is poor in the room or in the world is poor because they're lazy. That may be the case for some. But many, many poor people are poor because they're trapped in a cycle of poverty, poverty. This is the general principle here. Many Christians who are faithful in their work and are poor. This is the general principle that God wants us to work and to work hard, and the laziness is a fast track to poverty. Proverbs thirteen verse eleven: dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. God wants us to work for our money, not gain it dishonestly, not cheat and cut corners or take advantage of the vulnerable in our workplaces to make a quick buck. The last few weeks, ICAC has exposed corrupt state MPs. God hates that. Many many of us in the next few weeks will be doing our tax returns, might be tempted to fudge a little, little bit to get a little bit more extra money. God hates that. He wants us to... Gain money honestly and be people of integrity. And he wants us to gather money little by little. I know I joked and said it would be nice to win the lottery, but that's not how God works. He is not into get-rich-quick schemes. He wants us to gather it slowly. I think of Sam bankman fried who just a few years ago was the 60th richest person in the world. $26 billion to his name. He is in his late 20s, now has nothing. You see, when you gather money really quickly, uh, your character may not have caught up to it. I think the reason God wants us to gather money slowly is so that our character is growing, so that we learn faithfulness, so that we learn how to be a steward. So that we learn self control, we don't spend it all at once. So we learn generosity. God cares about our heart. And so that's his principle here. Not dishonest money, not, not get rich quick schemes, but working hard, faithfully gathering money little by little. Number three be generous with your wealth. Be generous. With your wealth. I think being generous, giving our money to God's church, to mission, to the poor, I think is one of the most exciting things because we get to be a part of God changing lives. Have a look on the screen, Proverbs chapter 3. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. What's it saying? We're to honor the Lord with our wealth. And how do we do that? Well, in the Old Testament, it was giving the first fruits of their crops. The Old Testament people were called to tithe. They were called to tithe 10% to give to the work of the temple and the Levites who worked in the temple. And they were tithing their first fruits they weren't putting aside something for, their, for themselves and then putting aside stuff, for going out to cafes and then putting aside stuff for a holiday and then whatever was left over. No, it was their best. It was their first fruits. Now, us today in 2023, the New Testament doesn't tell us to tithe and it doesn't give us a figure, like 10%. It just tells us to give Generously. I think 10% is a good guide but for some of us it may be a lot more for some of us it may be less but the principle of first fruits is a good one to actually plan our giving so that we are generous with our first fruits put our giving in place not as an afterthought but first for most of us our income will go up as the years go on, either with inflation or getting pay rises. It's being deliberate and saying, okay, how can we adjust our giving here? How can we review our giving? Who are we giving to? How can we be generous? Giving proportional to our income. It's recognizing that everything we own belongs to God. Just imagine everything in your house, a little sticker on it that says, property of Jesus Christ, or your bank account, not in your name, but in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything we own, we are just stewards. So we should be asking not, okay, how much of my money do I give to God, but how much of God's money am I going to keep for myself? Generosity. It's a beautiful thing. It's a challenging thing. It's a radical thing. And what's the reward? You see it there. If you give generously, your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. What does that mean? Prosperity teachers love this verse. Prosperity theology is really common around the world. It is a false teaching. It's a lie. It's a lie that if you're generous, God will make you rich. That's why the pastors who preach prosperity theology are driving Ferraris. I came here in a Kia, so it's not working out for me. It's not saying that. Many faithful Christians, generous Christians who are poor, it's not promising riches. Here's what it's saying. If you're faithful with a little, generous with a little, God will provide for your needs and give you more so you can be generous with that again. Those who are faithful with a little God will entrust more to. You're blessed even more so you can bless others. That's generosity. And, of course, why do we want to be generous? You know, there's no good just having a, a minister up here just telling you, come on, be generous that's not motivating. Why are we generous? It's because God has been generous to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Friends, Jesus gave up the riches of heaven, to become poor for you, to become a peasant teacher in Galilee, to to suffer on a cross for you, so that if you trust him, all the riches of heaven are yours. Forgiveness, joy, hope, everlasting life, all poured out abundantly on you. He became poor so that you in here might be rich. That's the gospel. That's the heart of Christianity. And that is why we joyfully, the Bible says to give joyfully, we joyfully want to give because he has given us so much. You know, you can never outdo God's generosity. No matter how hard you try, you're never going to outdo the generosity of God. Number four, wealth brings trouble and conflict. Wealth brings trouble and conflict. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 25 says, The greedy stir up conflicts, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. See, if you're always wanting more and more, it can. Not always, but it can lead to fights. You think of Gina Reinhardt; She's the richest person in Australia. And yet the last 10 or so years, she's been fighting legal battles with her own children over the money. That's what wealth can do. Look at the next verse. This is my favorite. Uh, Proverbs 15 says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Better to be eating a boring plate of cold vegetables and surrounded by the love of friends and family than to have a beautiful feast and have no one. Wealth is dangerous. It's not always what it's cut out to be. We chase it in great danger. Number five. Seek your daily bread. Proverbs chapter 30 is a prayer. And it's a prayer I've been praying for the last few weeks. And let me tell you, it is really hard to pray. God has been doing heart surgery on me as I have prayed this prayer. Here's the prayer. God, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. It's a pretty full-on prayer. The first thing he prays is, God, give me neither poverty. I'm okay with that. I think most of us are okay to pray that. God, please protect me from being poor. And why are we praying that? Because... He cares about God's glory, and he says, well, if I'm poor I, might want to poor, I might want to steal and dishonor your name. We're all down probably with praying that prayer. But then he goes, don't give me riches either, God. Don't give me riches, because otherwise I may have too much and disown you. That's the danger of wealth. You get proud. You think you've made it on your own. You look to wealth for your security, your treasure. Jesus said it is easier for a wealthy person to go through the eye of a needle than enter the kingdom of God. Last weekend I saw this article, it's up on the screen, a microscopic Louis Vuitton handbag, sold for $100,000. This thing is legit. It's microscopic. You can barely see it, but it has the Louis Vuitton logo on it. And someone bought it, walked away with it for $100,000. And the article said, I quote, that this luxury handbag was small enough to pass through the eye of a needle. I don't know if they realized the Bible verse they were referring to in that line. Because the irony is, it's easier for that handbag to pass through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Wealth is dangerous. So if we're not praying for poverty, and when we And we're not praying for riches. What are we praying for? Well, he says there, give me my daily bread. If you know the Old Testament, the Israelites were given manna from heaven in the wilderness, daily bread. And they were told to go and collect it. And they were told, only collect what you need for the day. If you collect more than what you need for the day, what happens to it? It spoils. It spoils. This is a prayer for moderation. Just God, give me my daily bread. I don't know if you remember 2020, the first COVID lockdown. Remember when everyone went nuts, panic buying? We we were just stocking everything up. I got to confess, I went to the shops. I bought a bunch of canned food. I don't know why, but it just something took hold of me. And you saw people walking out of Woolies after having a fist fight over, a, you know, toilet rolls. And everyone was stocking it up. You know, people actually stole all our toilet paper here at church. You know that? Literally happened. We were going nuts. We, we were not trusting God for our daily toilet rolls. <laughs> we were stocking that up for months and months. Praying for your daily bread, that's hard. It's hard to trust God with just what you need for today. Because let's be honest, we want more than our daily bread. We want to enter the Sydney property market, we want to be able to go on holidays to Europe, we want to be able to eat out at cafes. Now, I've been involved in all those things, especially the eating out of cafes. So there's nothing wrong necessarily with those things. But that's more than my daily bread. That's why this is a hard prayer. God, give me just my daily bread. God is saying to you this morning, trust me. Trust me. I care for you. I love you. I will provide for you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I promise you everything you need for each day. I want to give you a challenge. Pray this prayer every day for the next week. God, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Just pray it every day. See what God does to your heart. Number six, wealth doesn't last. Wealth doesn't last. Proverbs 23 says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they're gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off like a sky, fly off to the sky like an eagle. Wealth doesn't last. You buy the new car and you're nervous about getting that first scratch. You know what's going to happen? You buy that new phone, you drop it, it smashes. Wealth doesn't last. And it certainly doesn't last beyond the grave. No one on their deathbed cries out, I wish I'd worked more in the office. I wish I'd made more money. And there will be a day when we stand before the judgment seat of God. And on that day, our wealth will mean nothing. Proverbs 11 verse 4 says, Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. When you stand before Jesus on that final day, he does not care whether you broke into the Sydney property market. He does not care about your stock portfolio. He will not be impressed by how much money you've got in your high-interest savings account. He'll only care if we're righteous, right with God, if we've followed Jesus. And so many people are distracted by wealth and work and amassing more and more that they forget to prepare For eternity. I think this is what makes our giving and generosity so exciting. Because when we give, we are investing in eternity. From a worldly perspective, it looks foolish. But from an eternal perspective, we are investing in the kingdom of God. Because only that will last, friends. You know what? If you're a Christian on that day, if you've trusted Jesus, God will make you rich. The Bible says you're a co-heir with Christ. You will inherit everything. Not worldly riches, but the riches of heaven. Number seven, lastly, wisdom is better than wealth. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13 says, Bless are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Friends, following God and his wisdom and his ways is better than all the riches of this world. Do you believe that? Do you really believe in your heart that it would be better to be dirt poor and have Jesus than to be totally loaded and not know him? We know in the New Testament that the wisdom of God is found in Jesus, that Jesus is the wisdom of God. So when we read this kind of verse, we are reading that blessed are those who find Jesus, for Jesus is more precious than rubies and gold. The worst thing to happen to you is not that you have to rent your whole life. So what? The worst thing that could happen to you is not that you can never go to Europe again. So what? The worst thing to happen to you is not that you have to send your kids to private school. The worst thing to happen to you is not that you have to move to Western Sydney. The worst thing is that you have all the riches of this world. But you don't have Jesus. He is better. And all riches and wealth fade into significance compared to Him. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Do you believe that? Has it sunk into your heart? Or are you making your wealth your God, your security, your comfort? Are you willing to pray that prayer, God, give me neither poverty nor riches, just give me my daily bread. Help me to trust you. And are you, in response to God's generosity, ready and eager to give back to God, to hold all things loosely and lay your wealth and your riches at his feet and watch what God does? Let's pray that prayer together. Proverbs chapter 30. Heavenly Father, give us neither poverty nor riches. Give us only our daily bread. Help us to trust you for what you promise, our daily provision. Forgive us for looking to other things, for satisfaction, and help us instead to serve you alone and be generous with what we have. In Jesus' name we pray.